You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here. Heather Shoemaker's on the line. And Heather, we've got a guest with us. You want to introduce Mike? I just kind of did, but tell us all about Mike and introduce him. Yeah, we are thrilled to have a guest today, Mike Huber, and he is the author of Embracing Rough and Humble Play, um, which is a title that is my kind of book. So, um, Mike, welcome. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. We, um, we would love to just dive into this topic because I think this topic of letting kids play in, in a rough way, in a way that uses their physical bodies, is something that makes a lot of adults get the heebie-jeebies. Um, so tell me just what, um, what you've noticed about adult reactions when kids spontaneously do this kind of play. Yeah, well, um, maybe I'll start with my own classroom. So I have a classroom of four-year-olds, and people will come in for a tour, and they either talk about how crazy it is. Kids will be, you know, the mats are out, out in the mats, and they're roughhousing. They're climbing on each other, and people are wondering, you know, why I'm allowed to be with kids. <laughs> and then other times they'll come through and say, the kids seem so focused, and they'll be playing with something else, or they'll be playing family, you know, and ten kids will all be collaborating, and they're wondering how they can be so focused. And all I have to say is, oh, if you were here 20 minutes ago, you'd be wondering how they could be so crazy. You know, it's that thing where I don't think adults realize if we don't let kids, you know, really play the way they want to, that they never get focused. They're sort of wanting to jump around. And then when they're told to stop, it's like they keep getting, it's hard for them to focus on any type of play or any type of book, you know, if you're trying to read a book. So it's that funny thing to me that people will wonder why my kids are so, uh, you know, focused. Um, they don't really get into fights, like actual fights where they're yelling at each other, hitting each other as much. Of course, they still do a little bit. And then it's, I say it's because I let them roughhouse. And, the, you know, everyone kind of, most people kind of give me that weird eye. But all the people who get, who understand that end up becoming the parents at our school. And, you know, in fact, I have a parent who their kids graduated a few years ago, and he just emailed me that he's bringing some more mats that he doesn't need anymore. <laughs> Figured I need them. So, well, I, so tell us about that. Like you said you have the mats out. Is there, in your classroom, do you have mats out at certain times of day, or are they sort of always available if a kid just needs some action? Well, you know, I have uh, the world's smallest classroom <laughs> for a child care center. <laughs> Um, so I actually don't have them out all the time because to do it, we have to move the tables or, um, if kids had block buildings, they have to be moved. So the mats are always available in the sense that, okay, well, let's find a space for it. Um, I'd love to have a classroom <laughs> where they're out all the time. Um, but the childcare center I'm in, it's a parent cooperative and it was originally like a little corner grocery store and just doesn't have the space to have it out all the time. 
But at the same time, kids are always, like, they're welcome to run as long as they figure out a safe place to run. So they make sure the chairs are pushed in or we have a loft and they can reach the top, of, you know, reach over their head to grab the ledge of the loft and kind of swing. And, you know, there's always opportunities to, to do things. But unfortunately, we don't have the mat out all the time. So anyone listening right. who has the space, <laughs> I encourage that. <laughs> right, that's your wishful thinking. Yeah. But it sounds as if a child is able to say, hey, or you could say, looks like you've got some big energy, um, should we get the mats out? That There's not a certain designated moment in the day. Right. Like now it's gym class, yeah. Yeah, I, I always say that, you know, if we're really serious about teaching to the whole child, that should be the whole day. You know, if a kid asked me to read a book, I wouldn't say, I'm sorry, you know, right now. We are playing, we're doing pretend play. You'll have to wait for the book. You know, we jump on literacy opportunities as adults. And yet, you know, when it comes to rough play, it's like, oh, wait till you get outside. And I'm just thinking, oh, you need to move around? Okay, just wait two hours. And I'm thinking <laughs> to a kid, that's like, you know, wait a month. That's like telling the, the, the parent that needs their coffee in the morning, well, you, you, you wait till, till 1130 before you have that first cup of coffee. Right, um, right, I, yeah. The, I usually say Facebook. Yeah, 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 there, yeah, yeah exactly. Wait to check Facebook for two hours or, you know, <laughs> do it at the end of the day. So, yeah, but it's the same thing. But for some reason, I guess because grown-ups are uncomfortable, they're uh, willing to sort of downplay the importance of that so where does that discomfort come from mike i i it's something i've i've experienced a lot too there's there's parents it's it's like they don't remember their own childhoods or something because most of us went through this phase where rough and tumble was was a big part of our day yeah i know i I talked to my mom recently about this and she was saying oh because i was telling her about heather's book and my mom's like oh i love the title i'm gonna have to read this and then she was reminding me, you know, she said, yeah, I remember looking out the window and seeing you and Tom sliding around in the mud in the backyard. And she said that one of the most important things her, her mother told her as a new mom was to just have a red washcloth in the kitchen drawer. <laughs> so if anyone bites their lip or their tongue, they can bite on the washcloth and it won't show the blood. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, if I told parents that now, people would be, you know, calling child protection or something. Oh, that's, I, I think that's what I'm going to get my, my daughter and, and son-in-law for Christmas is <laughs> next year is some red washcloths. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but there is this fear that, um, I mean, I guess in some ways it's nice that we find that early childhood is, is important, and I think that's part of what it does, but I think people have taken that so far that it means it's, like, precious that anything that happens to the child is... Um, you know, a bad thing. Yeah. Or something. Well, yeah, a, a bump in, I mean, I remember as a kid, I mean, we just hang around and compare scars. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, that was, that was great fun. I, I, I got this on my skateboard when I was trying to do that one dumb thing. And, uh, and we, we're creating a world where, where kids don't, don't have those stories to share anymore. Yeah. And then all the they battle stories. Yeah. Yeah, instead they talk about the latest, you know, Disney mm-hmm. movie or something, you know, because they have no personal experiences to share. Right. So, Mike, I'm curious. Um, obviously, you're a man in the early childhood world, and 
uh, gender always comes up, with the adults particularly, in this kind of play, because so many of the caregivers, the parents, primary caregivers, and the teachers in the classroom are female at these early ages, and how a lot of women, not all of them, but a lot of women react to rough-and-tumble plays. It's like, ah, you know, it's totally yeah. out of the female realm. So what are your thoughts on, on um, adult views, male and female, on, on welcoming this kind of play? And what works when you talk to some women who, who may be nervous about it? What have you found convince, helps convince them or help them get more comfortable? Right. Well, the first thing I, I talk about, and it's in the title of my book, you know, Embracing Rough and Tumble Play, that most women know that hugging a child gives them that sense of comfort. It actually helps with self-regulation. Um, the hormones that, you know, are sent through the body when they're hugged, you know, help them kind of feel calmer. But the same happens any type of pressure, like, so whether it's a hug or a tackle, you do get that same feeling. You also get some uh, adrenaline rush, too, with the tackling part <laughs> that you won't. But, but it does help kids self-regulate. And so I try to... Th- you know, tell them, think of this as a very active hug. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, I, I looked back in your book, and you kind of say a similar thing. Um, the first book, the It's Okay Not to Share, I forgot exactly what you said, but you do say, just like a hug, kids need this. Um, but yeah, I that's how my mother... <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's how my mother teaches three-year-olds how to wrestle. Yeah. You know, she's this fairly demure, quiet uh, lady, and she just gets the wrestling mess out. And some of the kids who've never had roughhousing experience at home, they do things like look at her blankly and say, right. what do I do or how do I do this? And she just encourages them by saying, well, start out by hugging the other kid and then fall down. Yeah. That's and that right. always gets them going, you know? Yeah. But it does start with a hug. Yeah, and I find most of the kids, the three-year-olds and four-year-olds, usually start that way. I had one year where the kids just, they'd play pile on, you know, where they would just, one kid would lie on the mat, and then kids would go up and up until they could, the person on the bottom said it was enough. So there'd be five kids just laying. Mm-hmm. And they'd just sort of sit there for a while, and then they'd like sort of, um, say, okay, or something, then they all topple off, you know. So it was kind of like a toddler building a building and knocking over, except it was people. And it was just the greatest game to them. And, you know, I don't know, people get scared of it, but at the same time when they see kids doing it, they see them laughing. I mean, the type of laughter that happens in rough-and-tumble play is at this, you know, level that you don't get often with kids. So... um you know, so and you know, and to me, it's a lot less intrusive than tickling, which for some reason is considered okay, and a lot of kids like hate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, we live in a world where, for especially a lot of little boys, the only acceptable way to to give your bud a hug is to fall down while you're doing it. Um, it, it, and I mean, it's kind of sad we live in that world, but for a lot of boys, the way they show affection is is by beating the crap out of each other. Right, right. But it's that thing, uh, you know, because what it's really doing is building trust. Yeah. Right, because you wouldn't do it to a person you just met. I mean, even a three-year-old knows that. Yeah, yeah, They have to have this trust, and they're going to make themselves so vulnerable that they can get knocked down, knowing that if they say ow or cry or something, the other person's going to see if they're okay. Uh And, you know, obviously as adults, we might have to help with some of that, but, you know, I find kids pretty quickly learn to check in with the other person to say stop if they want somebody to stop doing something. And, 
when the other person does, it builds that, that sense of trust that, you know, you use the term battle scars, Heather, and in some ways that's what it is. By being so vulnerable, you bond with people quicker. Yeah, and, and, and it's so much about relationships and, and keeping the play going. They become so adept at reading those signals uh, with a little bit of practice at this kind of play. that uh, And, 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 and that, that reading of that body language is something they, they carry with them throughout life because you're, you're learning to read faces and, and uh, tones of voice and those kind of things, and that's, that's, important, that's important social skills. Yeah, yeah, and I think mm-hmm. it's something that you can see the kids who can't read social skills are going to be unsuccessful for a long time. You know, so I, I, if I can tell one quick story, because I do a lot of work with uh, child care providers around Minnesota, and this one family care provider that had been at my training some a few months later, and they said, you know, oh, they, they actually stood up in front of everyone and said, you should listen to what he's saying, because we had this kid that we were so worried about. He kept hurting people every week. We had a Senate accident report he kept hurting people, and then we took his workshop. And then they started uh, every day after cleanup time, they would have what's called Let's Go Wild time. And Let's Go Wild is the chant for the hockey team here, the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. But, um, they, and they, it was just in their living room. You know, it was a, They didn't have a lot of space, but a rug two foot by three foot. And all the kids stood in a circle, and two kids at a time would go on their knees, and everyone else would chant Let's Go Wild, and they would do whatever they you know, wanted, whether it was wrestling or... And they said after they started doing that, the kid never hurt kids again. Or not again, I uh-huh. should say, but the, the accident report stopped. So it was like he learned how to, one, he got that physical need he was probably looking for, and two, he got to learn how to read people's facial expressions, body expressions. So in a lot of ways, it's violence prevention or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Right. And what, what sort of things do you do as, as a teacher um, to help a kid who isn't reading the body signals? Uh, is it just natural that they are unsuccessful in the game and sort of the other kids don't want to play with them in that way at first? Or right. do you do anything to help them gain those skills? Yeah, so the first thing you know, that I try is just literally saying, oh, look at their face. They're scrunching their face. They don't like that. Or, you know, something like that. We're literally saying it out loud what I'm seeing and the child doesn't seem to be. If the child really doesn't get it or is, say, a bigger kid who might hurt kids, I have them wrestle me first. And I'll talk, talk through it still, but say, oh, you know, you see how my face, when I do that face, that means it's hurting. Mm-hmm. You know, do it, don't do it as hard. Because the thing is, most kids will learn to um, handicap themselves, so to speak. A bigger kid won't try as hard against a littler kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fairly natural for most kids, but for the kids who it isn't, you can talk them through it and, and kind of help them learn those skills. And the thing is, kids want to have fun. They don't want to play a game that the other kids cry after one minute and the game's done. They want to figure out, how can I keep this game going? Yeah. So they have a motivation to learn it. Well, and I, 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 don't, I, don't think a, I don't think a lot of people see rough and tumble play as a skill, but I mean, when you, when you break it down, it's just like it's just like writing or or waiting your turn um, for the drinking fountain. There's 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 skills involved, and when we start breaking it down and, and paying attention to those, uh, right. it's a little bit easier to see the value in it. Yeah, and and I think proprioception is probably the biggest developmental part that comes from it. So you know that's that sense of where your body is, uh-huh. and nothing tells you that more than when you have people all over or you're rolling on the ground. 
and you're getting that sensation all over your body. You know, because three-year-olds and four-year-olds walk into doorways, they walk into tables because they don't know where their body begins and ends. Mm-hmm. But when you do rough and tumble play, you get those sensations. You know, so mm-hmm. um, so it actually. What, what about what about some of the kids who? I mean, there's some kids that will just naturally gravitate towards this kind of play, and it's hard to you know not have them wrestling. But what about the kids who this is not their natural form of play? Right. Either personality wise, do you find that there's benefit to them too in terms of risk taking and and learning these skills? Definitely. So, you know, when I think about um, some of the kids my, you know, who I've had in my class who were more, whatever, hesitant to risk, you know, I think, like, some of the things, the first risks they took was maybe going over and pushing with one hand. You know, like, they're kind of, like, reaching really far, so no one can touch them, but they kind of push with one hand. And, and there's something about, like, they want to take that risk a little bit, but they... Don't. I had one kid who she would ask me to play chase with the kids, and she never wanted to play. She would just stand and watch me play chase for, I don't know, probably a month or two. And finally, she would start playing chase too, but she never wanted to be caught, you know. And then a month or two after that, well, then it was winter. It was like it is now, so we didn't chase as easily because everything is ice in Minnesota. But by the spring, she was playing all those games with everyone else and really kind of connecting. And even when she wasn't, when she wasn't the one chasing, she would talk to everyone else. Like, oh, Mike almost got you. you got to run faster. You know, and she'd be connecting with everyone in this way. But it, I think it gave her a chance to be, do, take some risk without, you know, taking a huge risk. But the other thing I have to say is that I never like to try to just say girls do this or boys do this. But girls tend to do things that the teacher is interested in. So, you know, if, um, if the teacher just sits and draws, the girls, a lot of the girls will just sit and draw. But if the teacher will also play chase or will also roughhouse with the kids, then you'll start to see some of those girls do it. I, I always tell people the kids who play the roughest or ask for the mats the most are often the kids who are the quietest in the class because they kind of know they're afraid to do it on their own because some kids will just start playing rough and then I suggest the mat. Uh-huh. <laughs> But other kids will just start going at it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're sort of saying that sometimes with the, in the development of the girls, they're more aware of some of these social cues and maybe even the, the social pleasing the adult. And yeah. So they might do whatever the teacher's engaged in, and, and it's important then for the adult to model different acceptable types of behavior and, and acceptable types of fun. Right, right. So that's, you know, so that's the thing. And, uh, you know, I guess I don't want, you know, to overstate, I mean, obviously, rough and tumble play is my thing, but, you know, just like, I don't know, was it the last episode or two when Jeff was talking about having a baby? (laughs) It's not my Um, thing. You know, it's like I am also playing where I'm, you know, in a family, I might be the kid or I'm at the doctor or, you know, like, you don't just do one thing, but it's important that Rough and tumble is one of the things. It's, it's a good tool to have in the, uh, in the classroom tool belt. Yeah. And, and one thing I tell teachers who are uncomfortable is start with pillow fights. You know, because that seems to be something that people are a little more okay with. Uh-huh. And if you're in, you know, family child care, you might like rolled up socks or something. Yeah. Pool noodles pillows are great, might too. might knock over lamps or something, but you know. Yeah. 
And once you do that, and you have fun with it. Yeah, yeah. Those, those swim noodles that are so, so yep. flexible. The noodles, yeah, things like that where it's not, if you're worried about the physical body. And I do things, like I have one kid who he really needed, <laughs> um, really needed to be, like, pushing on things. Uh-huh. He's in my class now, so I actually have him move this bin of coats every day for no reason except that it helps him self-regulate. You know, so, oh, can you put that up on the table? And then two minutes later, oh, could you move that over to the corner? And he loves to do it to show how strong he is, but I'm really wanting him to get some of that heavy work in because it actually helps with self-regulation. But, yeah. um, oh, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, I- um but it's that idea that, you know, kids have to, um, they have to have a lot of different experiences, I guess. I, I lost my train of thought on that uh, one. I, I got a question for you, Mike. For hate to do this to you listeners, but uh, we got to cut this episode off. We'll be back with more Mike next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, you want to support all the Upstairs Studio podcasts? It's as simple as this. Use our Amazon link when you shop Amazon. We get a small percentage of what you spend. You don't pay any extra. You get your stuff from Amazon. Everybody wins. Where do you find the link? Well, it's on the Explorations Early Learning app. You can find it on the Explorations Early Learning website. And if you don't find it in those places, just get a hold of Jeff on Facebook or via email, and he'll hand-deliver it to your inbox. Thanks for your support. Bye-bye.